Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. It is another rendition of Catch and Shoot 2.0 with my man, Otto Strong. But first, coming up on today's show, we will talk with the one and only, his name is Tom Haverstroh. We'll talk a little NBA, a little Utah jazz, and everything else that is happening around the loop. But before we get to all that, I have to welcome in Otto. Otto, how's it going, my man? Doing well, man. Doing well. I'm trying to trying to stay above the deep freeze that has gripped the nation so, so how cold is it where you're at right now? Uh, it, it is, it is, it is cold, uh, but it's not, it is not, it has not reached the Arctic plumes uh, that other places have. You know, we got snow on the ground. You know, we got, we got beer in the fridge, so we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, a snow day sounds fantastic right now. I have friends back home in the Midwest who are telling me it's one or two degrees, and they're having rolling blackouts so that they can help with like the energy problem that's yeah. taking place yeah. in Texas. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. man, I just took my dogs for a walk. It was 62 degrees. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm about that, it. That 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 is, that is what's going on. I mean, we had a, we had a situation where the uh, Mavericks had to cancel their their uh, their game, uh, their Wednesday game against Detroit because um, you know it's just not a good look to to turn all the lights on when everybody else around you is without power and heat. So, but uh, speaking of power and speaking of heat, the Utah Jazz. Yeah, they've been good, haven't they? They have been. They have been pretty good. Like we, we, we've, got, we've got some numbers on them. I mean, you want, you, want to, you want to roll out for the people? Well, first, let, let's start with this. 19 of 20 games in the NBA deserves recognition. I don't yeah. care who you are. Like if the Orlando Magic reeled off 19 of 20 or 19 wins and 20 attempts and they lost the remaining 60-some-odd games of a campaign, I'd be like, yeah, but they won 19 games straight. So, like, they were really good for a period of time. This Jazz team, though, the way they're doing it, Otto, and you know, I'm one of the things I always look at when I look to see if a team can sustain the type of success that they're having. The first thing I look at is what their defensive rating is, and then I look at what their offensive numbers are. And perhaps the most impressive thing is while it's great to win 19 of 20, this Jazz team ranks in the top five as far as offensive rating and top five defensive rating. And what that tells me, Otto is this team has what it takes to make a really long run into the postseason. So we're not going to get – see, what, what, what kills me, though, is we, we have these conversations, you know, not just with the Utah Jazz this year, but every year it seems like – or every couple of years there's a team that has a run, not quite like this run, but has a run. They get to the playoffs and they, and they hit a wall um, that's usually, you know, with LeBron James's name on, on said <laughs> wall. 
Well, look, we're going to talk to Tom Haberstroh in a little bit, but uh, one of the things we talked about was that this team had the ability to go deep. And one of the reasons why they did is because of something that he thought that he introduced, I thought was great, vertical spacing. You can, in other words, you know, you got to be true in, in, in making sure you've got, got a man on Gobert, but then the perimeter shooters are doing so well that the vertical spacing was, was the term that he used, which I love. Well, well that, that's interesting. And the second you started to say that, I started to cross-check the numbers. This team is first in three-pointers made, first in three-point attempts, yep. fourth in three-point percentage. Yep. Like, that's no joke. Yep. And then you look, when you have a presence like Rudy Gobert down there, you would think that you would feed him the rock a lot, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. This team is 30th as far as two-point attempts and two-pointers made. Right. So, the, I mean, they've taken small ball philosophy and said that we're just going to do nothing but shoot beyond the arc, and that's an analytic-type game. And the amazing thing, Otto, is – this is basically the same roster that we've seen the last few years, right? Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Conley's now been there a few years. Gobert yeah. is a staple. Yeah. So they've had continuity. They haven't had a ton of roster turnover, and it's not like they're just adding guys to fill out roster spots that have made a big impact. It's this core that that front office and the Jazz have committed to. Look, sometimes it just takes a little while to gel. Sometimes everybody, you know, if everybody plays their best ball, you know, this is kind of what it looks like. You know, you're, you're going to run off 19, you know, 19 out of 20. And look, they're, they're next eight before the break. Um, you know, they, so there are a couple of interesting games. They got the Clippers twice on the road. They got Philly on the road and then they got the Lakers at home. So of the eight, four are against, you know, top flight teams will be interesting to see what they can do with that. Yeah, you know, and one other point I wanted to make earlier, when we were talking about that span of 19 to 20, I saw this nugget earlier, and and I know you have a really good number to share with us as well, but 17 of those 19 wins in that 20-game run have come by double digits. That's how good they've been. It's no joke. They're not squeaking by teams. They're not winning on last-second layups or, you know, a dagger at the end of a ball game. They're dominating teams, and they're doing it in their own way by playing their game. And that is very hard to do in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Now, for, for the gamblers out there, and I am not one, but, uh, but, but our producer, Scott Turkin, as I like to call him, the man in the chair, is saying that they're 18-1-1 one one against the spread in the last 20 games. Hella That's impressive. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you know which team I would have taken against or taken for the spread the other, day, other week? Which Kansas City Chiefs. They failed. <laughs> they, failed. They, they, they had a tremendous number running up against the spread prior to that game, too. Yeah. Fell flat on their faces. Yeah. 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 So I guess, I guess we're basically the moral of the story here is if the uh, Jazz go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then, 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 you know, then go the other way. But otherwise. <laughs> that, 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 that defensive line's going to yeah. get them every time, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little more NBA basketball. And everybody, we have the honor of welcoming in Tom Haberstroh. Uh, he is someone that I used to work with at ESPN, so fond memories there. Uh, but these days, he is the host of the Haber Show podcast, and he's also a writer for True Hoop. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing great, Otto. Can't complain, buddy. Man, it's good seeing you. Looking good. I like. I, look, hey, I, I like the cut. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's a, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in, I'm in a snowy part of the country. So I, I, I wear this like nine months out of the year. So that, that's, that's just my, that's just my thing. My little avatar yeah. kind of looks like this. So my theory is that Manu Ginobili didn't come home as Bomani Jones likes to call it, uh, come home and, and shave his head because I think he was in a warm weather climate. I think for yeah, yeah. you and I, yeah. 
you know, I grew up in New England and when I go home and I go outside with my, you know, I, I shave my head uh, every yep. other day or so. Yeah. And uh, when I go outside, it's freezing. Yes. yes. And it's so cold. You have to wear a winter hat like you're wearing yep. a beanie or anything like that because Manager Ginobili, he never came home, I think, because he was in Texas mm. and he didn't suffer from the cold air on his head yep. that he might have if he was playing for instead of San Antonio, he was playing for Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So that's my theory. All right. Well, look, uh, th this thing is like practical. Bruce could tell you, uh, one of our producers, this thing is like on all the time. Scott Turk, another producer, this thing is on all the time. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're, we're going to get to some, some actual hoop. Um, Anthony, I want to start with the Lakers. Anthony Davis um, is going to be out, looks like, for two to three weeks. He's had various leg issues. Now he's talking about a calf strain. Uh, doesn't seem to be as bad as, as in a severe Achilles injury, but it's something that they're definitely watching. Uh, and based on what we know, he's probably going to be out through the remainder of the published season, which is to say through through March 3rd, I believe. Um, where does this leave the Lakers? Uh, you have to look at LeBron James playing the four a lot more. Uh, you're going to have to have him be more of a big man. This is why they got Trez Harrell. Uh, yep. This is, you know, he's a, new, a, a wonderful insurance plan for if LeBron or if Anthony Davis got hurt. So, um, Mark Gasol, Montrez Harrell, the rest of the team, LeBron James. I mean, he is built like Carl Malone. So mm -hmm. when people talk about him being a point guard or him being a three, nah, this dude is built like, you know, Ben Wallace or Dwight Howard. They're, they're just strong, big dudes. And mm -hmm. so LeBron is going to have to play more as a big man for sure. And I think the NBA has had an Achilles problem for years. Um, in 2019, there were six Achilles tears in the NBA, which was two, more than two times the previous high since 2005. So a really abnormal number of Achilles tears, of course, Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, you know, we, we saw a lot of Achilles tears. So it makes sense for the Lakers here to be very conservative and understand that what starts out as an Achilles tendinosis, as they described, or a calf strain can quickly turn into something more severe, which is what we saw with Kevin Durant in the finals. It was initially called a calf strain and not an Achilles problem. And then, of course, a month later in his first game back after playing marvelously in game five, right. uh, he ruptured his Achilles. So I think the Lakers have to be very conservative here. Uh, you said March 3rd. The end of that break is going to be March 10th, which is about a month from now. Um, I suspect, given the verbiage that you hear out of the Lakers camp, that they're going to be very conservative here. I suspect that Anthony Davis, at minimum, uh, is going to be out for a month. So mm -hmm. I just think they have larger goals than winning you know, March games. I think they're looking at May games in June and July. Uh, so I think they're going to keep Anthony Davis out and look at Montrez Harrell, Mark Gasol and uh, LeBron James a lot more. Right. Yeah. So you look, you won't, you won't win the West. I mean, if, if you want to, you know, play, if you want to play this out, so, you know, you, you want your goal is to get a top four, you know, get, get home, get home court and then just, just make it to the playoffs. And hopefully he's, you know, good enough that he can come back and, you know, he could do his, could do his thing. Um, so speaking of the top team in the West, the Jazz. How much of a surprise? The Jazz at twenty three and five. Are we are we surprised by this, or we we saw this coming? I think people had higher hopes for for Denver and Clippers, but it seems like Utah has kind of shot through. Yeah, Otto. Last year, I thought that if you were going to put a bet on a team, 
to make a bubble run. I thought Utah or Denver was going to be a great pick because weird stuff happens in the bubble. There's no fans. This is a new environment. Um, The continuity of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, I thought was going to serve them well. And just the perception of what happened there in March when everything got shut down. I feel like people were sleeping on the jazz, right? Uh, We didn't know much about COVID and their impact on the, and the disease's impact on your ability to play basketball, your performance. So I think a lot of people were like, yeah, I mean, Utah's got a great defense. Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert is obviously two-way anchor there with his rim runs and his defense. But this year, this is all coming together. And it's not just continuity. What is the big difference between last year and this year is three-point attempts. They are leading the NBA in three-point makes. They're the Houston Rockets of the years before. (laughs) But they're now Quinn Snyder and the Utah Jazz are running the NBA in the three-point department. And that's very puzzling for the average fan. They don't think of the Utah Jazz as basically the the D'Antoni Suns or the D'Antoni Rockets, but they are. They're getting much quicker up-tempo offense. Jordan Clarkson, you know, over 40 points the other night. This is a guy who has been the embodiment of what they do now, which is getting up and down the floor, early shots in the shot clock, and bombing away from three. And it's working for them. Defensively, we know that Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal, are gonna, they're going to lock down defensively. That's not the issue. The issue has always been offense and getting quality looks, and they're doing a great job. They have several players shooting over 40% from three-point land. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit from everywhere. It's not like I think Mike Conley had a great year before the hamstring injury, but everybody is chipping in to be just 20% better this year. And the result is they're just running through all these teams that have had issues with COVID or injuries. Um, I, I, I think they're going to get the number one seed in the Western Conference. They're that good on both ends of the floor. Now that Anthony Davis is going to be out for the foreseeable future, um, this, I think, is the Utah Jazz's um, number one seed to give up. It always seems like with Utah, there's always that well, two things. One, as, because we're so close to All Star, there's always seems to be those the snubs that, that go into with, with with the guys in Utah. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. I'm not talking about the the you know the, not the Carmelo days, you know, obviously, but but uh, whether they whether they have All Star uh, you know, week or All Star game, we'll we'll get to that in a second. But the other issue is Utah just seems to be everything is great regular season, and then the wheels start falling off once the playoffs arrive. Do you feel as though they have Turn, sound, sounds like you want to believe that they've turned a corner and that this is a different jazz team that will not have a problem morphing from regular season into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they, they didn't get a big name acquisition in, in the summer. So you might just say, Hey, this is the same team, but they play very differently. Um, you know, this is a team that has relied on the three ball more than any other team in the NBA and they're making it at high clip. And you might say, Hey, this is unsustainable. Look, they're going to flame out the the shooting is unsustainable, but Actually, if you look at three-point field goal percentage, they're the best three-point shooting team in the NBA last year. The key is that they realize, let's double down. Let's take those really excellent shooters and say, hey, do more of that thing that you're really great at. Um, And it's something that Greg Popovich struggles with is he had a a lot of teams that were really great three-point shooting teams, but he didn't believe in the three ball as much. And so he kind of kept going with long twos, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, or or Tim Duncan. and, and Tony Parker, they stayed inside the arc. Whereas I think Quinn Snyder, who used to be on the San Antonio bench, Quinn Snyder is looking at this and like, I got to adapt. I got to adapt to the modern NBA. And this is what they're doing is they're, I think they're taking advantage of, they have a lot of weapons that can shoot at a high clip. 
Uh, Donovan Mitchell gets into the paint and Rudy Gobert is a rim runner. I remember Eric Spolster introducing me to this theory, this uh, a concept called vertical spacing, which is you need vertical spacers just as you need um, perimeter spacers, floor mm-hmm. spacers. Because when you have Rudy Gobert or Birdman, when, when he was talking about this yeah. with the Miami Heat, right. rim running, that sucked the defense down into the paint because you had to block the, the lob. Mm-hmm. But now uh, when you have four three-point shooter, elite three-point shooters surrounding the rim runner like Rudy Gobert, the defense can't collapse because they got to right. guard the, the three-point line. Right. And so that symbiotic relationship, the vertical spacing of Rudy Gobert going up and dunking the ball on a lob creates this really tough decision by all the perimeter players, defenders. And I think they've unlocked something this mm-hmm. year. Utah Jazz have unlocked something that I think makes them legit title contenders. And if I, if I was a betting man, I would put some money on the Utah Jazz now because with Anthony Davis ailing and the, the, the Clippers having their new first-year coach, Teron Liu, okay. I just think that there's an opportunity here to get some value now. Vertical spacing. I like that. We're going to use that a lot, a lot more. Hey, what do you, this is kind of a, a out of left field, perhaps. Uh, so this is the first time we have had, at least that I can recall, that we've had an NBA season where we don't know who, who teams are playing in the, in, the, in the other half or the rest of the remainder of the season. What kind of impact do you think that has on teams? Because I, I, I remember when you know, back when I was covering the league on a more regular basis, you know, guys kind of looked at the, at the totality of the season. Where, where are my back-to-backs? Where's our, our seven-game road trip? They don't have that, and they're going to be handed a schedule, and then, you know, and then, they, and then it's a, kind of a sprint to the finish. What, do you, what kind of impact do you think that'll have on teams? Well, it's going to impact some teams more than others, right? So the Washington Wizards had, you know, several of their games postponed, um, seven games, I believe it is postponed into the second half of the year. So not only did they battle COVID have outbreaks on their team, but they're also having to play what looks like they're going to have back to back to backs in the second half of the year in order to fit in and make up all those games. Otto, this is going to be, um, a double whammy is they had COVID run through their team and they were shorthanded. And then also they got to play on zero days rest in the second half. So some teams are going to be um, disproportionately affected by this. Uh, just simply it's a, it's a math game. It's how many games, how many days do they have to play those games? And you know, the wizards, the uh, Miami heat, the Dallas Mavericks are going to have to really have a, a, a condensed schedule. Um, and I also think that this is where depth really matters is if you have a, a very top heavy team, you're going to hurt more in the second half of the year, because if one of your players gets out for a considerable amount of time, you know, that, that could be the end of your playoff run. But mm. uh, the trade deadline is going to be fascinating auto because of the play in game, the play in tournament at the end of the season, a lot more teams are going to say, we have a chance. We have a chance at this right. postseason." Right. And so you're not, I don't think you're going to see as many teams rest in the second half of the year. They're going to go for it. And I, I just worry that, you're going to see some ragged basketball in the second half. Mm. Now there's another team. Uh, so we'll take a look at the East, the Sixers. You're 18 and 10. I've, um, if memory serves, I think they've got about eight games between now and the, uh, and the time that the, that the, the break comes, the March 3rd uh, break comes and they'll play Utah on that day. But between now and then they've got a bunch of, sorry to say highly winnable games. I mean, I think they've got Chicago a couple of times. I mean, it, it seems like it'd be an opportunity for them to pad their schedule now. They've also got a, 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 a I, I, it's hard to call Doc Rivers a first year coach, but a new coach in the in yep. you know for, for them, uh, certainly. So, what do you think their outlook is? 
Oh, I love Philly. Um, I've always loved Philly. I think with two young studs like like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they don't have perfect complementary games, but um, you know, neither did Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that the, you know those two guys in Philly are the same level of LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade, but there's some you know friction there always when you have two guys who aren't totally complementary players. But man, when you have those two guys surrounded by shooting, I mean, it's game over. Uh, and you're seeing that this year, they have uh, Seth Curry and Danny Green entering the mix. If you have two guys who don't shoot the three ball well, you better hope that you have spacers around them. And that's what they did. They got Seth Curry, who I believe last time I checked auto is the second highest three point field goal percentage of all time. Career wise, mm-hmm. there's Steve Kerr and there's not Steph Curry. It's Seth Curry. <laughs> so they got just on the cheap. Um, they got they got one of the best three point shooters ever on the team. So I like Philly. I love what Joel Embiid is doing this year. He's dealing with some back tightness and who knows if he can hold up for the entire season. But I, I was uh, before the season, I picked three teams to, uh, to bet the over one was Philly. uh, One was Charlotte and one was golden state. So far, those three teams have outperformed expectations um, better than people thought this year. But I, you know, Philly, I just, I just really believe that Daryl Morey, what he did to build this team with shooting around those two superstars, I think is really, really smart. Hmm. So in the East, you've asked, you know, Boston has probably been, been, a, been a bit of a letdown. I mean, it, it seems like they are, it seems like they're a team that we always think they're going to take that, that next step. Um, obviously Brooklyn is, you know, loaded and, and Milwaukee is there. I mean, how do you see the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, your Eastern Conference finals? Yeah. I, I don't think Brooklyn's going to get there. Okay. I don't think their defense is good enough. They just signed Andre Robertson from, uh, from OKC fame, the three and D guy who didn't mm-hmm. have much three. So he was just a D guy. <laughs> um, Andre Robertson, they just picked up. They're trying, they're trying to find defense. Um, they're trying to find any semblance of having an impact on that end of the floor. And I just think when you have three superstars like Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant, you need to have the other players be, you know, defensive stalwarts. Like I, I know that everyone's talking about the offense and those that star power, but that's not going to cut it at the highest levels of the game. So I think at the end of the day, it's either going to be Milwaukee. Um, it's going to be Philly. And I, I don't sleep on Miami heat. They were there last year. I think just in the, really? in the playoff, in the playoff scenario, I'm betting on Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to perform. Um, and so I think this is a team, the Miami heat that have really struggled to have some continuity with the COVID protocols and have guys in and out of the lineup. Every team is dealing with that, mm. but the Miami heat have our championship pedigree in uh, their coaching staff and Pat Riley. And I also think that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are 16 game players. Draymond green called it 16 game players, meaning yeah. 16 wins in the postseason rather than 82 in the regular season. Um, I think those two guys in the, in the playoff scenario, I think they have a real chance to repeat into the finals as long as they stay healthy and Bam Adebayo is is continuing to improve. Well, Jimmy needs to order some more of that coffee then because uh, they they got they got some ground to make up. Um, yes. maybe, maybe maybe don't charge forty bucks a cup, but but whatever. That's it. <laughs> he, he's got his marketing folks working for him. Uh, so you, you mentioned COVID earlier, um, and uh, you know obviously we've we've gone through an entire season for practically coming up on an entire year with COVID, and I'm just I'm wondering you know, from your perspective if if COVID is something that I mean, yes, everyone's kind of dealing with it, but is, is it, are, there, are there stories beyond that where it's kind of just become things that we're not hearing about 
about how COVID has impacted um, player of the league? Yeah, so it's it, the league is learning every day new things about either the disease or how it transmits or, um, you know, just the behavior of the NBA schedule, how to combat this virus from spreading throughout the league in a non-bubble environment. And one of the stories that I wrote last week for, uh, for True Hoop was NBA players who are trying to get into the league are more employable. So free agents are more employable. Um, if they have already had COVID. So think about the implications of this. Um, if you're a free agent and you've been very, very good about social distancing and staying um, in your apartment or in your house and not going out um, and you've stayed away from getting the coronavirus, well, that player, if he wants to join an NBA team, say the Brooklyn Nets, has to go through a six-day quarantine in order to pass protocols and play for the Brooklyn Nets. However, if you were going out and you were just partying or you were going out to dinner and, and uh, you know, eating indoors or basically not following protocols and you got infected with COVID, you actually only have to do a two-day quarantine. So think about that. If wait, you, wait, wait a second. So if you, if, you, if you buck the system and get COVID, you get rewarded. You get rewarded. So in effect, it, obviously you have to, uh, this has to be, um, you have to test negative after uh, you have you've recovered from COVID, but COVID recovered players have a fast track in the NBA. Um, as one GM told me, it's like getting a fast pass at Disney World because <laughs> the NBA's protocols say if you've, you've already had COVID in the previous 90 days, you only have to go through a two-day quarantine before you can join your team. And if you're the Golden State Warriors and you lose all your centers and you're looking at the waiver wire and you're like, man, we need a guy tomorrow. Like we need him ASAP you're going to be looking at one category over the other because right. you need a guy now. Um, it's less helpful if he's going to be in a hotel room quarantining for a week. So, you know, there's, there's all sorts of thorny issues with that. Um, the implication is almost like, Hey man, you better go get COVID now because players are going to need you in a few weeks and you're going to be more employable than um, for that, for that team. So um you know, the NBA is doing a, a great job at trying to stay on top of this. But um, as we saw with the San Antonio Spurs, there's still uh, a virus out there and it's still running through some teams. Um, and as much as we'd like to think that we can replicate what happened in the bubble, the NBA still has a whole new animal in a non-bubble teams flying everywhere and playing indoors um, is, is just it's been really treacherous on some teams. But. Yeah, they're going to keep on going and and hopefully have a safe All-Star weekend. I, I, look, I said this before. I've said this for months. I thought the NBA hit, did, did an outstanding job, better than I could have ever uh, expected or anticipated back when they, had, when they had the bubble and going through the playoffs and everything that transpired. Uh, but it sounds like, and I don't mean to be flip about this, but the combination of All-Star weekend in Atlanta with what you're saying about COVID, this sounds like the Magic City exception here where it's like, you know, you know, kill two birds with one stone, get COVID. <laughs> and, you know, and obviously you know, I'm not, I am not, you know, with disclaimer, this is where the disclaimer goes. I'm not advocating that anyone actually go out and get COVID, to, you know, as a way to. Yeah. Uh, that's not what we're saying here. It's not at all. Incentive it's, structure. It's almost yeah. like, you know, the draft, the NBA is not saying, Hey, go lose a bunch of games because right. you're going to get right. a better draft pick. But right. the, this, the odds are set up that it incentivizes teams to lose a whole bunch of games because they have the next shot at Zion Williamson or Kate Cunningham. So 
it's it's a it's a it's a tough thing to navigate, and I don't envy envy the league in trying to manage all this. Mm. I asked you about Eastern Conference, and we talked about Western Conference teams, but I did not put you on the spot with respect to who might be coming out of the West. I think I think I know how which way you're leaning, but just to get you on the record, who's coming out of the West? Oh man, well, before Anthony Davis had his injury, I would have said the Lakers by far. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's the Los Angeles Clippers are probably the favorite here because of the you know, star power they have at the top. You need guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, I think Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell are excellent duo, um, you know, both ends of the floor with Rudy Gobert. But I just think when you're, when you have to win at the, the highest levels of the game, I'd rather have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, Kawhi Leonard obviously winning with San Antonio and being a finals MVP with, uh, with Toronto. I think it's Clippers, then Utah, then Lakers. Until we see Anthony Davis back, I think that the Lakers took a step back here. So I think it's an open, open race. Milwaukee, mm-hmm. Philly, uh, the, both LA teams and Utah now. I think it's an open floor, and I think it's going to be a, a, an incredible finish to the season as long as we keep this COVID thing in check. I definitely got to keep the COVID thing in check. I agree with you 100%. We're probably looking at a fantastic finish. Uh, you know, could not have asked for, for, you know, better basketball and, and, and better teams to be kind of, you know, rushing and surging toward the, toward the end. Uh, Tom, it was a pleasure cooking up with you and having this conversation. Thank you, my man. Uh, everybody, this is uh, Tom Haverstroke, host of the Haver Show podcast and a writer for True Hoop. Thanks, buddy. Always a good time to be, uh, be with you guys. And Bruce, uh, love you, buddy. I hope the Celtics do better for you. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Appreciate you as always. That was dope. <laughs> I love talking to Tom. I feel like I learn a lot every time we, we talk we talk hoops. Yeah, I was jealous you got to interview him because the last time I spoke with Tom was last year at the NBA All-Star, All-Star Weekend in Chicago. And, you know, that guy can just talk ball for hours. Like, if you get him going, he will just go and go and go. So it was great having him on the show. And it was a great interview, man. Appreciated yeah. it. Cool. Uh, so here's a question. It's, a, right. it's, it's, a, it's a Draymond Green question. Ooh. So it's already, yeah, it's already going, going there already. So on Monday, he responds in post game to the Cleveland Cavaliers sitting under Drummond. Uh, and basically kind of puts it all out there and, and talks about how unfair it is and how basically there seem to be, a, you know, a, a two tier system, if you will. For, for, for guys who say either that, you know, players say they want to trade versus teams that sit a guy. And yeah. what's, what's, your, what's your take on it? What's your line on it? Well, so I, th- I thought long and hard about this. And the first time I watched that clip, my initial response was teams can do whatever they want. Like teams have the right to play guys or sit guys based on their best interests. You know, like, like if you have an asset, like a LeBron James, and you're going to trade him, you don't want him getting hurt in any way, shape, or form, right? So the best thing that you can do is you can put LeBron James in bubble wrap, and you can say, don't go near a basketball goal. Don't go near a basketball court because we're going to trade you. And for the longest time, I thought that's in a team's best right. That's with what they should be able to do, and it's how they should operate. Because for teams, it's not only about this season, it's about the next 10 years, right? Like mm-hmm. if you ask any GM, they're probably thinking five years out of what their roster could potentially look or look like. But then at the same time, earlier in the day, this 
University of Duke basketball player, Jalen Johnson. I'm not sure how much you know about him, but he's a projected lottery pick in this year's NBA draft. He announced that he was basically going to forego the rest of the season and start preparing for the NBA draft. And granted, Duke's having an awful year. They're an under 500 team. They're probably not tournament bound. They're struggling in the ACC. He's doing what's right for him and his future. And so after I watched that Draymond clip, I remembered that for an instance that players have a right to treat their body and to treat their career and their homes the way that they want to. Like if someone told me that I had to up and move because the company that I worked for traded me to Detroit, I'd be mad about that too. I'd be like, why are you allowed to dictate what I do and where I go? And so it's, it's this tough, and he's right. There is a double standard. Like we see what we want to see and we talk about what we want to talk about, right? Like mm-hmm. when James Harden was being, and he gave a tremendous response. Like he had instances where he mentioned this like two or three years ago too, like players that had gone through similar instances. Like, right. Why do NBA teams get that levity and get that freedom to operate how they want to? But then if a player like James Harden says, well, this team's crumbled around me. The front office isn't supporting me the way I want. I want out. I want to go somewhere where I will be appreciated and where I can play. Why is it perceived differently? And why do we not treat them the same way? That's an excellent question. I do not have a a quick snap answer for you. I mean, you know, um, some might say, you know, the race card plays, plays a role, plays a factor, um, you know, going all the way back and you know, looking at other sports over time. Um, you know, baseball players are not, you know, you, I mean, p- pitchers would, you know, how often have we seen this, a pitcher not being able to make, make the start because he may be yeah. on the block and he hurt his arm. Um, but baseball players or, tend or, not. Or, or teams resting players so yep. that they can tank in the NBA draft to get the best pick, right? Like that's no. not in a player's career's best interest to sit out the rest of the year. Right. But it's well, in the team's best interest. Sure. And then, and then you have cases where, where players are going to decide that they're going to rest. You know, you got a, a, a marquee player who's going to a city, you know, used to hear this a lot when players would come to New York, like the, 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 the audacity of a player, whoever, you know, pick your big name star to sit out a game in New York. First off, arrogant as hell because you know that that's that's what we do yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, you're not saying that same thing if he's choosing to sit out in Oklahoma City but but I mean look if the if the game is a nationally televised game I mean who cares I mean it's fine the people on on you know Madison Avenue paid you know four times five times or maybe 10 or 20 times what, what somebody in OKC paid but the but the, you know this is back in the day when the you know the Knicks were you know selling out every single night. Whole another whole another show. Whole hey, another hey, era. <laughs> hey, that might not be that far off with the way they're playing now, though. Uh, well, closer, closer. <laughs> but but look, I mean, players. Look, I, I believe the players have the, the should have the right and the ability to make what is in their what's in their best interest, uh, and and the teams do too. Look, it's a at best, it's a delicate dance that that everybody does. Um, and sure, certain, certain players are going to get a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a, a, a latitude, uh, you know, got like, guy like high Ruse is like, you know, he's got to just kind of collect his thoughts for, you know, for, for a couple of weeks. So it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a lot, to, it's a lot, but, um, with, with that said, I, I don't think, we, I don't think there's any way we can, could, could exactly put a bow on this one, but, uh, oh, man, that was perfect. Yeah. But, but I will say this. One, one last thing, Draymond 
anytime you want to be an analyst or anytime you want to coach, oh man, it, it, it's going to be awesome. Do you know what's wild? We were just talking about Dre a few weeks ago on this show saying, you know, we, we played, we replayed that instance of where he was um, teaching a younger teammate, you know, yeah, James yeah, Wiseman, where yeah. he needed to be on the court and why. Yeah, yeah. The guy gets it, man. For, for all the hate and flack that he gets, dude's going to be either a tremendous coach or an even better analyst. And those are two pretty good places to be if you want to have a career in basketball. Well said. Can't anything, add anything to that. So with that, that is one more edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. Uh, want to thank our guest, Tom Haverstrow, as well as our producer, the man in the chair, Scott Turkin, uh, Bruce Bernstein, the captain, and our editor, Kristen Woolley. Absolutely. Everybody who makes help or everybody who helps make this show a reality. We appreciate everything you guys do each and every week. And we hope that you guys appreciate the content that we are bringing you Monday through Friday. We have five weekly shows that drop every single day. Monday, it's the Mike Wise show. This week, Mike had a fantastic guest. You know who it was, Otto? You know who it was? Tell me. The Tell man, me. Stan Van Gundy. Oh, love a good SVG interview. So if you guys have not caught, caught it, check it out. It's a fantastic listen. The rest of the week, Tuesdays, it's Full Court with Jeannie Fisher and Kara Kay. Wednesdays, it's Catch and Cheat 2.0 with Ottawa and myself as we bring you guys all the latest and greatest NBA news and nuggets. Thursdays, it's Bucket Sports and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. And of course, we round out the week with the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Otto, before we go, I have to pour one out for my man, Frank Mason. He had a solid week-long run with the Orlando Magic before he got hurt, before he got waved. Jayhawks everywhere are crushed. So, Frank, thinking about you. Otto, did I miss anything? Wear a mask, wash your hands, social distance. That's all. Absolutely. Everybody, it's been great. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy what Otto and I do every week, all that we ask is that you rate, leave a review, and then share our show with all your friends. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.